voice, but I just couldn't help it. I mean, uh, some of those songs, you just can't be quiet, so um, shout for joy. So, um, But if you would, uh, we, please open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Mark. We're going to be picking up right off where our pastor left off last week. Uh, for those that are visiting with us, and you know, if you, or if you don't have a, a Bible, uh, you feel free to use one of our pew Bibles. This can be found on page 837. Uh, We're going to be beginning in Mark chapter 1. Verse 40. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Scripture says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was clean, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. So to get an idea about what is transpiring here or to get a little context of what's going on in this passage here in Mark, we need to spend a little time back in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. We're going to see what that book has to say about leprosy and some of the laws that concern leprosy. So if you would, you don't have to turn back there, but I'm going to turn back there into Leviticus chapter 13 to try to get some context about what this disease is and how it relates to us even today and in the song Jesus paid it all you know he can cleanse the leper's spots so what is what what are they talking about here now I'm sure no one here has ever seen leprosy I being in the medical profession have never seen it that disease has pretty much been eradicated in the modern world at least so I've never seen a case I've read about it it's not a good disease to get so but let's look about let's look here in Leviticus chapter 13 and we're going to look in verses 45 and 46. 45 and 46 in Leviticus 13. It says, Scripture says, The leprous person who has the, the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover up his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. So, if a person has leprosy, like the person in our text, he is considered unclean. So, being unclean, that comes with consequences. Being unclean means you're alone. You're outside the community of God. You're placed outside the camp. Um, He was unable to worship. He could Obviously, he could probably worship on his own, but he was not allowed access to the tabernacle. Uh, at that time, they moved around a tent, which we did a study on the tabernacle. Uh, later on, the temple was built, but they weren't allowed to enter and worship God. Uh, he was avoided. To say he was ostracized was an understatement. So other members of the community could not come in contact with him because to come in contact with someone with leprosy would what? Render you unclean. So... Um, that, that would be you or I. So if we came in contact with the person with leprosy, we would be unclean, and we would have to go through 
a cleansing. Um, now, does this person keep leprosy forever? Well, the answer is some did, but some didn't. Some actually cleared up. Their body reacted. It got rid of the disease process on its own. There wasn't always antibiotics and antivirals in the world. Uh, thanks be to modern medicine that you know, people are living now into their 80s and 90s. And it wasn't that way 50, 60 years ago. People were probably living in their 30s, 40s, 50s. It's kind of gradually increased as modern medicine has increased. But, but occasionally people would, the disease would clear up. So if that occurred, what happened? Well, the person had to present themselves to the priest. So they had to inspect their body and determine that they agreed, yeah, this looks like it's cleared up. So if he agrees with the person with leprosy, then there had to be sacrifice, okay? And he must, the, the person with leprosy must go through a ceremonial cleansing. Two sacrifices. First, sacrifices were, involved some, some birds, and you can read about that as well. Uh, in Leviticus 14, sacrificed the birds, the birds that g- gained him access to the camp inside. And then to be access to the tabernacle, there had to be a second set, more robust sacrifices, if you will, to actually be granted access back into the place of worship. Okay? And so there had to be sacrifice. And uh, all that, and there's a lot of it, and it's a big read there in uh, Leviticus chapter 14. And I encourage you, just read it. See what this was all about. So uh, we're not going to dive into Leviticus 14 because it's more than I want to cover with that. I just want to kind of set the stage about what was going on. So person with leprosy, he's alone outside the camp of God. He is, he is in need of something. And we're going to see from our text, he was lucky enough, or I don't really believe in luck, but he was fortunate enough uh, to come in contact with the person who was able to help. Um, so from that, I want to jump back into our text here in Mark, and I want to make three observations. Not eight that we had this morning in our Sunday school, but only three. Uh, so you've got plenty of room there on the back of your bulletin to take some notes, so feel free to jot away. So, so first observation, Jesus was willing Okay, first observation, Jesus was willing. Let's look back at the text here, verses 40 and 41. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling to him said, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. So, someone can have the ability to help or improve my condition, but may be unwilling. So if someone's unwilling to help me, does their ability to help me do me any good? No, it does me little or no good at all, because even though they have the ability, they are not willing uh, to help me. It is only when ability and willingness come together that I can have help, or you can have help. Here, uh, Jesus is asked to cleanse uh, this leper. And thankfully, for the leper's sake, Jesus was willing. Uh, the leper had no doubt heard about Jesus. I'm sure he was, the miracles he'd been forming, had been performing had spread like wildfire. Uh, Jesus often told people not to go tell, and our pastor got into that last week. But with people, as soon as he was performing their miracles, they went out and... They told. <laughs> they disobeyed the Lord as soon, you know, after he had provided their healing. So they went out and did 
what they were told not to do. So no doubt his fame had spread, and this leper had heard about this guy, this miracle worker, Jesus. So um, as he sees Jesus coming along, he's like, wow, this is my opportunity here. So he must have had faith, at least a little bit of faith, that could help me. Uh, but the outcome hinged on Jesus' willingness to, to perform the act. You know, much in the same way for us, Jesus had to be willing to suffer and experience the full wrath of God do my sins and your sins, okay? He had to be willing to go to the cross. Otherwise, we have no hope, none. But thanks be to God and Christ for his willingness to suffer and die on my account. Scripture says in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. This is Jesus speaking. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So this is Jesus speaking, saying, look, no one can take my life, okay? I'm willingly laying it down for you, okay? And I have the authority to take it up again. What did he say on the cross? He could have, he could have called down ten legions of angels, okay? But he didn't, okay? Why? We'll get into that in a few minutes. So the passage basically says Jesus was voluntarily or willingly yielded up his life so that you and I can become children of God. Romans says we are joint heirs with Christ. That's you. That's me. We get to heir. We, we get to reap the benefits that Christ purchased. That's a good place to be in, okay? We're heirs. And we'll talk about how you can become a child of God if you're not today. So, Jesus says no one can take his life. He willingly lays it down. But that's great. But my question is, why was he willing? Why did Jesus willingly lay down his life for you for me, wretched, sinful people who had rebelled against him. You're like, well, I didn't, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have done that. Trust me, if you'd have been out in the crowd that day, you'd have said, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. That's what you would have said. That's what I would have said. But thanks be to God that he is willing to save a person such as us. You know, the problem with getting people saved is they don't think they're bad. I mean, that's the problem. I don't think I'm that bad. I compare myself to the Christian down the road. When, they, when I wasn't even a Christian, these are people on Lick Creek, and I'd be like, I'd be like, well, if they're going to heaven, there ain't no way. I, I, I'm good. Now, I can say that because I'm from there. And everybody from Lick Creek knows that. Brother Jim Bill, he'd tell you that too. All right, he's not with us today. But, uh, but I tell you, they can be some of the most spy, spiteful people that I've ever come in contact with. You talk about no joy in their life. I mean, they wouldn't help you out of the ditch if, if it helped them. Because uh, I don't know why, but <laughs> see, that was about people from there. But, but why was Jesus willing? Um, see, Jesus was God, okay? He was God. He knew, he knew God better than we could ever know God. Not only did he know how God's love, guess what else he knew about God? He knew about his wrath. 
and what it was going to be like to experience that wrath. So would you have been willing to do what he did? He, even Jesus, God, prays in Gethsemane till he had his sweat were great drops of blood. He's like, God, if this could pass from me, Father, if this cup could pass from me, if there's any other way, let it pass. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. So, so even with that knowledge of the pain and suffering to come, he still goes to the cross. And again, I ask, why? This is my interpretation of why. You can come up with your own, but this is the best reason I can come up with. And it's very similar to the, song we, the last song we just sang. The best answer I can come up with is love. He loves us. He loves you, and he loves me. Um, I want you to jot down a couple of verses here. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Probably the most familiar verse in the old Bible. Romans, I mean, Sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So why was Jesus willing? My answer is he loves us. Listen, the Bible is full of verses just like these throughout from Old Testament to New Testament. God's love permeates the entire scripture. Read it. Read of his love for you and me. Now, so he, he's, I think he was willing because he loves us. Now, I'm not really sure why he loves us. That's just a fact. I don't know why he chose to love you, why he chose to love me. I asked the pastor that. He said he's going to work on it and get back to y'all sometime. I don't know when. <laughs> you can ask him, bring it, bring it up to him. But, but make no mistake, he loves us, and he is willing to make us clean. Okay, first observation was he, he was willing. Second observation is Jesus was capable, okay? Jesus was capable. Let's look back at our text. Verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. So, not only was Jesus willing, he was capable, okay? Now, am I able to cleanse myself? Can I clean myself up? Well, if I'm dirty and been shower, you know, out playing in the dirt and stuff, I can clean that up. But say I have a disease, okay? Say I have leprosy. Can I fix that in and of myself? No. If you're sick, do most people have that ability to cure them, to treat or cure themselves? Now, we've got a few physicians in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the audience today, myself included. If you guys had the ability to, to, to treat yourselves and make yourselves better, then we'd be out of a job. You wouldn't need us. You wouldn't need Brother Josh back there or Sister Allison. I mean, you wouldn't need us. But do I have the ability or you have the ability to cleanse yourself? No, we can't do that. Um, we would certainly 
chose the wrong profession. Um, you might say, well, I'm not that sick. I don't really need help. I don't need to see a doctor. I mean, I'm a terrible patient. I never feel like I need to see a patient. I'm pushing 40, so I may have blood pressure problems. I may have cholesterol problems. I don't know. I just, I just choose to put my head in the sand and just ignore it. I need to come see Josh. Uh, I have a terrible doctor. I mean, I'm a terrible patient, that's for sure. Because I don't feel like I need a doctor. I feel good except yesterday morning when I woke up. Um, but I want to tell you the truth. We're all sick. Every one of us. We're all sick. We have a terminal condition. Every one of us. Sin, which leads to death. And that death, if you're lost in your sins, leads to eternal. Not, not just for a while, which we, we preached on hell a few weeks ago on, uh, uh, throughout uh, our Wednesday night. But eternal separation from God in a place called hell where we'll experience his wrath, his perfect wrath for all of eternity. <laughs> not, a, not a short while, not a long while, forever, okay? That's what hell is. Make no mistake, a place called hell is real. There's people there today, and I pray that the people in this room, nobody in this room, ends up there. My loved ones that are not saved, my community members that are not saved, my patients, you know, we have an opportunity each day to tell somebody about Jesus. Because you know what? When you plant that seed... That may be the only seed that's ever planted in that person's life. And you know what? We, aren't, we don't give the increase. That's not in us. There's nothing in me today that has any power at all. All I pray is when I was studying this text that God would work and move through his spirit and open eyes, remove the blinders. That's what was wrong with me. You know, I had a heart of stone. I, you know what I cared about? I thought I cared about my wife. You know what I cared about? I cared about me. Even when I had children. You know, you love them. But you, I can't even love my kids in a proper way unless I love God where he's supposed to be. You can't, you can't realize, you think, oh, I love my children more. You know, uh, you know we're a lovey-dovey family, okay? My dad, we kiss, we hug. If my dad told me he loved me one time, he's told me literally a million. I mean, that's what we do. That's who we are. I kiss my kids. I still kiss my, I kiss my uncles. Some people might think that's weird, but I do. We're a loving family. That's just who we are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not. But tell somebody about Jesus and allow the Spirit to work and move. Because trust me, if you try to convince somebody of something, you try to win an argument, you're going about it the, all the wrong way. Because you can't convince somebody of anything. You know, before I was saved, you couldn't even convince me this is the word of God. You could say, well, don't you believe the Bible? I don't know, it looks like a book written by a bunch of guys. How do you know that was true? I mean, seriously. But when you, when you just tell the gospel, it's simple. It's so simple that a child can understand it. Don't try to mix it up with big fancy words. You're a sinner. You're sick. You deserve death and wrath and destruction. But yet God loved you and he made a way for you to avoid that. It's a, guy called, it's a person called Jesus. He died. Well, he let, 
First of all, he lived a life that we couldn't live. He died a death that we deserved to die. He was buried, but then again, he was raised. That's how we know that Jesus was who he said he was. How, why wasn't Jesus a lunatic? You know why? That's what they thought in the first century. This guy's a lunatic. He's a madman. How do we know that he wasn't a madman? He was raised from the dead and people saw it. That's how you know. There's eyewitness accounts. That's what the Bible is. It's a historical record that stands against any other document in the known world. If you don't believe it, do a little research. If for those of us are saved. Now, once we are saved, it's a lot easier to, to accept this. Now, there's some stuff in here that I have trouble with and I struggle with and I, I wrestle with. But you know what? That's who God is. I have to accept that and believe it no matter what it says. Now, so, we're sick, okay? Sin entered the world. Remember back in the garden? Don't eat of the tree. Man, we just want what we're not supposed to do. I mean, I'm telling you, my kids, don't touch that. They just go touch it. That's what they do. I don't know why. I know why. It's Adam. Blaming all on that. No, I'm kidding. I mean, not in, in the full sense. I mean, a lot to blame. We inherit that nature. But, I mean, it's innate. It's in us, okay? We're sinners. Uh, so, when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. Now, in that verse in Romans 5.12, I hope you caught that word, all, okay? So death spread to all men, you, me. Why? It tells you why. Because all of sin. And we fall short of the glory of God. Okay, God sets a standard. There's a standard, there's a bar that's been set, and I don't care how much you reach and crawl and try, you can never attain it, okay? You can't clean yourself up enough, you can't get sober, you can't get off drugs, you, can, you can't help the old lady across the street. Nothing you can do can get to that. You just can't get there. All your piety, you, can't, you just can't. I'm sorry, I'm just telling you the truth. You, you can't get there. But that's why we need Jesus. Otherwise, we wouldn't have needed him. So, we're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. I put it, newsflash, okay? That's you. That's me. All right? We're all sinners. And you know why? You know, some people says, you know, they have this idea of sin, and, you know, that's just something I do occasionally. But you know why I sin? You know why you sin? That's who you are, okay? That's in our nature. Even Paul in Romans in Romans 7 says, you know, this is the Apostle Paul. He's with Jesus. He knows. He's, he's, he's been taught by the Lord himself. He had a, the road to Damascus. He's blinded and he's converted miraculously. Not many, I don't think anybody here has had that conversion. But uh, yet, he says there's this war that goes on in my body. He basically says, I'm like a schizophrenic. I'm going to paraphrase here. I don't do the things I know I should do. I do the very things I shouldn't do. Woe is me. Who can help me? Who can deliver me? Well, we all know that anytime you're in church and you don't know the answer to something, always say, Jesus. Okay? It's always the answer. Jesus. That's how we get out of that. Okay? Now, we're sinners, deserving of death and punishment. Man, you're like, God, I didn't come to church today to hear this. I thought Brian was going to be up our day. It's going to be a good, feel good message. And he's talking about how I'm a sinner and deserve death. That's bad news. Right? 
That's terrible. It is terrible news. But the story doesn't stop there. But the good news is our story doesn't end there, okay? That's why the gospel is called good news. You had to have bad news before you needed good news. You had to have something to, 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 to compare it to. The good news of the gospel is that while we were yet sinners, you didn't get cleaned up enough, you couldn't get good enough, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so that in him we may have life. You know, that's what grace is all about. You know, if you could define grace, think in your mind what grace is. You know, people, a lot of times we may not know what it is. And uh, grace is God not giving us what we deserve, okay? What do we deserve? We deserve death, wrath, punishment, eternal separation from God eternally. But what does he give us instead? He gives us life, not just some life here on earth, eternal life forever. He gives us joy and peace. And, I mean, the, the riches that we have in Christ are, I mean, it's hard to put in words what, how good he is to us. Now, how do you get those? How do you get those benefits? How does that get that grace? It's simple. You believe the gospel. You believe the gospel and put your faith in Jesus. It's that simple. Um, Romans 5 continues in verses 15 through 17. This is, said, Scripture says, But the free gift, that's Christ, not, not, not free to him, but free to us. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's Adam. One died, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like, so it's not, it's not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought about condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hold on to that. See, Adam's transgression led to condemnation for all of us. For we are like him. We inherit his sin nature without exception. And without Christ, we are all under that condemnation of God. Now, some people don't feel like they're condemned. Trust me, if you're not in Christ, you're already under condemnation. There's only two places, there's only two camps. There's no riding the fence here. You know, some people straddle the fence. There ain't no straddle the fence. You're either forced here. You're either in Adam, condemned. Your trespass brought about condemnation, or you're in Christ. By his grace, you have been justified. What's it mean to be justified? You're declared not guilty, okay? That's a legal term. And you're, you're sitting on trial, hoping no one ever here are on trial for something in the future. But when that verdict comes down, not guilty, that means you've been justified, okay? That's what it means. That's what Christ did for us. Um, you know, um, 
this gift that Christ brought, gave us, you know, it's, it's really remarkable that although we deserved wrath, we deserved punishment, yet we get mercy. And for me, use a courtroom analogy. If, for, for instance, if I, if, if I have a loved one who makes a bad decision, they get, in a, they get in an accident and they hurt somebody, or, maybe, or worse yet, even kill somebody. They're standing trial and they're losing, they lose their life or they're, you know, they're spending the rest of their life in prison. What do I want? If that's my family member. What do I want from that person? Leniency. Mercy. Mercy. Now, what's the person that lost a loved one, maybe? What do they want? Justice. They want wrath. You see it all the time on television. I mean, and I'd probably be the same way. So how can God be yet merciful, loving, and yet wrath be satisfied and poured out? There's only one place that can happen. It's the cross. That's where God's love, mercy, and justice, they met. At the cross. That's the only place. That's why we, could, we should run and cling to the cross. So referring back to our text, this person with leprosy, he comes in contact with Jesus and he's healed, okay? All this is a, is a foreshadow or a type of the ultimate healing that Christ purchased at the cross. You see, some people have the wrong idea that Christ came to purchase my healing here. Okay, God can heal. He works in the miraculous. Okay, he does. But I'll tell you what, I was at Coach Cal's ball camp this weekend with Parker, and my body hurts, okay? And I'm only pushing 40. And I can't imagine when, like Pop back there. I mean, when you're pushing 60, almost 65 or almost 70, okay? My brain says, do that. My body says, uh-uh. Or if your ego comes up and says, I'm going to win no matter what, and you pull a hamstring, then you're sidelined, okay? I don't care, <laughs> I don't care how tough you are. And that's just what happens with it. Christ didn't come to purchase this healing, okay? It's temporal, okay? This body, poof. Thanks be to God that we're getting new bodies. I mean, those aches and pains and eyesight and hearing and whatever ailment you have, kidney stones, whatever it is, thankful. You, one day you'll never have to, you'll never be bothered with that again. Because there's coming a great day, that second coming, of Christ, when guess what? Our spirit that already has ascended to God, for all those of us that leave here before he comes back, most of us will. People say, well, he's coming any day. Well, he's been coming for 2,000 years. When they thought he left, they thought he'd be back in their lifetime. And you know what? Every generation will think the same thing. Because you know why? We're supposed to be waiting and watching. Watching that eastern sky, waiting for his coming. How many people's ready? If you saw Christ today... How many people could say to my Lord, come, I'm ready to see you? Or how many people want to come, would say, I need a little more time trying to get my prayer life together? Be watchful. You know what? Scripture says it will come like a thief in the night when you're least expecting. You know, when things ratchet up and we think the world's coming to an end, it ain't, not then. Because you know what? It says we won't even think, we won't even think it's coming. But be ready. You know, I don't know who quoted this, but um, I, I wish I could give credit, but I share this with some loved ones in my family. It's like, surely 
none of us, none of us are as foolish as those content to live. So if you're content to live, unprepared to die. Nobody that. Don't be that foolish, okay? Don't be foolish enough to be content just to live and unprepared. Because you know what? I, you know, again, I don't want to be on a, uh, a downtrodden message, but I don't know how many people died in the United States today. A lot. Or the world, better yet, thousands. When they woke up that morning, they didn't think today was going to be the day. And you know what? Maybe there's somebody here. Only good Lord knows. You, didn't think, you don't think it's going to be the day, but one day it's going to be. Just prepared. And, you know, we don't want, you know, people say, well, I don't like preaching on death and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if anything we do here, I like to say that we have prepared you to die well. You know, there's nothing like a Christian who is facing death. And when you have somebody's lost and they see that, they don't understand. They don't understand how you can have peace. And like our pastor when he was, you know, can you imagine? You know, I don't want to steal his story, but if you haven't been here before, when he, his heart stopped. And his, he calls his doctor and he says, why did my heart start? You know, the doctor calls him, and he's like, well, you flatlined. And he said, like, why did my heart stop, start back? He's like, only by the grace of God. Can you imagine heading down that parkway <laughs> knowing that you, your next breath might be your last? One, one of these breaths are going to be your last. Now, would you want to know when you're going to die? Would anybody? Some people would. I think now Google now says they can predict when you're going to die. Just get on Google and ask them. They'll tell you. I don't know how they know that, but they're smarter than I am. It's serious. I'm not even joking. It's on there now. I don't know how they come up with their algorithm and um, um, where they get their information, but they say they can predict when you're going to die. I wouldn't want to know when I was going to die. Man, can you imagine that? But I'm going to. I mean, you are. I am. And I just want to be ready. And uh, not that I could ever be good enough. But you know what? To be prepared well to die, you just got to know a good place for your faith. Okay, it may be weak, it may be faulty, and it's going to be at times it's going to be worse than others. But you know what? It's not the strength of my faith to to keep me. It's the object of my faith. And what's the object of our faith? That's Jesus. Thank God, He's an awesome, powerful object of that faith because He's going to keep us. He that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Okay, He don't lose one, not one. And thankful you're in that camp. So, how did Christ purchase our healing? By shedding of blood. That's what it takes. Sacrifice. Not just some. Not just a few drops. All of his blood was shed. Every last drop. He wasn't in a coma. He wasn't you know, on life support. He died. And all of his blood poured out on the ground. For you and for me. You know... As I look at this text, and, you know, I wish that people would have as much faith as that leper. And put your faith in Christ's ability to cleanse you. Act in faith. You know, and again, I just ask, are you willing to put your faith in someone who is capable to bring about that healing that we so richly need? So, um, two observations. Jesus is willing. Jesus was capable. Third observation. Jesus trades places with us. So again, I want to look back at the text and then we'll finish up here shortly. So, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, if you will, you can make me clean. 
Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go to yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But what did he do? But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to and from him from every quarter. So, do you see the exchange that, take place, that took place here? At the beginning of the passage, we see the leper. Where's the leper? He's outside the camp. He's an outcast. He's an exile. He's isolated from the community of God. But you know what he does that some people around here don't do? He recognizes his plight. He knows that he's helpless in and of himself. He, he, he can't fix himself. But he sees Jesus. And then there's hope. And, you know, like I said before, he no doubt he had heard about this miracle worker. He probably didn't know the full implications of who he was. You know, John had announced the coming of, of Christ. The kingdom of God is here now. It's at hand. Repent and be baptized. But you, this guy probably, you know, he had no idea of what that meant. Even the, the apostles didn't really know what it truly meant. <laughs> they, never, they never really got it. Until after Pentecost and the Spirit comes and dwells them and they finally get it. So don't feel bad if you don't really get it at first. It took, I don't know, six, eight years for me. Well, a whole lifetime almost. Uh, but it, it, it can take a while. Uh, but he hears about this man named Jesus, the, the leper. He sees him and he runs to him. And what's he do? He falls on his knees and he begs. He implores Jesus, for what? To make him clean. Because he knows his position. He knows that he's outside God's camp. And, you know, when I was reading this, I just wanted to paint this mental, mental picture for you, and it just kind of, you know, it kind of flashed in my mind. Can you imagine, you know, this, this, person, this person sitting outside either the camp or the, the city later on? He's, can, you, can you imagine what he looked like? All disheveled. Long hair, you know, big long beard, and I would say body odor that's unbelievable. Um, and these big boil open sores through his whole body. You talk about a hopeless, you talk about somebody without hope. You talk about somebody that was probably felt forsaken by God. You know, the only per- person I can think of offhand was Job. Can you imagine Job? He had had everything taken away. Forsaken by God, his skin was full of disease. And in the same way, this person here, we don't get his name, but he is without hope. But he comes in contact with the man. And his world, his life, his destiny is forever changed by that one contact. So he falls to his knees and he begs and implores Christ and Jesus to make him clean. You know, I try to picture what I would have done if I'd have been Jesus. What, what, what would you have done? You probably ran the other way. You see this guy coming, you know, you all know, you see these people even now. This guy, these homeless folks, they haven't showered. They got long, tattered hair, beard. You see them? I'm going this way. You avoid that person. You know why? They're dirty. You may catch something. 
Yeah, that's what we do. I, I better never see us doing that. But we should, we should be, uh, we should welcome the poor. I mean, we're supposed to take care of the poor, the church. So, but I can see that. You know, we might have ran the other way. But what does Jesus do? Does he ignore this person? Does he try to move out of the way from the person? <laughs> no, absolutely not. The Bible says he was moved with pity. And what he reached out and he touched him. And, you know, what happens next? You know, does Jesus become unclean? You know, he touched somebody's leprosy. Is he like us become unclean? No, that ain't what happened. The Bible says right here, it says, the leper was immediately, not in a little bit, immediately, Mark likes to use that word, immediately made clean. You know, as we talked about earlier, if you or I touch that person, we're dirty, we're unclean. We have to go through cleansing, but not Jesus. Why? Because he's God, his holiness, righteousness. You know what? They've overcome disease, sickness. He's conquered our uncleanness, okay? Christ was the only one capable to do that. But this, we talked about in Romans, was a free gift for us, okay? It's free for you, for me, for all of us it was free. But oh, it came at a price. It came at an ultimate price for Christ. And people say, well, he knew that he was going to be raised again, and he may have. But can you imagine that period of separation from the Father who had been in perfect harmony with the Son and the Spirit since time began? Etern- I mean, forever. I mean, you can't even imagine that. You can't contemplate. Don't try to think about each other. You'll never, you can't wrap your brain around it. I mean, trust me, you can't. I've tried. It don't do any good. But... So, it came at a price. His life, death, burial, but ultimate resurrection. That purchased our healing. And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, not, not, not for a year, not for two years, not once and for ever. Okay, that's what Hebrews says. You don't have to offer up continual sacrifice across Christ. Being God, offered himself up once and for all time. Okay? No more need for sacrifice. That's why we don't have a temple anymore. We don't need it. The temple of God is right here. Okay? You, I, we're the temple of God. Okay? That's what the Bible says. And Christ paid that price. And that's how he traded places with us. I like to think of that great exchange. Okay? That great exchange exchange took place on the cross we should have been on the cross okay but he trades places with us where Jesus became your sin and my sin and he experienced the wrath of God do that sin so that God may declare us not guilty how? by our faith in him okay God may justify the one who has faith in Jesus. That's what Romans chapter 3, the verse 21 through 26 talks about. You know what? People say, well, God passed over these former sins. God turned a deaf, deaf ear to this. He ain't just. Oh, but yes, he is. You know, what's it say? I forbeared. What's that mean? I kind of put up with it, okay? I, wasn't, I was, wasn't really tolerant. I didn't approve it. 
I forbeared with this. But you know, here's what I think about sin. I'm going to show you what I think about sin. I'm going to pour out my wrath on my son. Do your sin. And those sins, past, present, and future. Okay? So why? So that God could be the justifier of the one who has faith in him. That's Christ Jesus. So, just as our text illustrates, uh, following the cleansing of the leper, where do we find Jesus? Okay, this exchange takes place. He's alone. He's out in desolate places. This is a theme that happens throughout Jesus' ministry. He trades places with the leper. And you know what? The leper is thankful, but how much more should we be thankful for a Savior that's willing and capable to exchange places with us? Otherwise, we too would be like the leper without hope. There is no hope apart from Christ. So make sure you have your hope placed in the Savior who is capable. Now, that was the last point. Jesus was willing, Jesus was capable, and Jesus trades places with us. Just to close with a final application. We're all lepers, okay? (laughs) Yet, God loves us, okay? You're a leper, I'm a leper, we're sinners, yet God loves us. And you know what? He desires to have a relationship with you and with me. That's what he wants. He desires it. The great exchange has already taken place, okay, 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is receive it by faith, and I promise God will save you. Don't wait. Don't believe the lies that the devil says. You're not good enough. You got time. God doesn't want you. He won't forgive the things I've done. He doesn't. Nobody knows what I've done. Well, I don't want nobody to know what I've done either. But you know what? God knows. He knows everything. Even better than yourself. Some things you might not even remember you did. If you're like me, just truth. But thankfully, he can use someone like me. And he can use someone like you. So believe me, God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And you can find out what that purpose is if you would believe the gospel today. Don't wait. Believe it today. Romans says in chapter 10, if you believe with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you, believe, if, you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will. For those who have been cleansed or saved, I hope that we have a newfound appreciation for that great exchange that took place on the cross, the price that was paid on our behalf. I can't imagine it. I got three children of my own. And I wouldn't hurt the hair on one of their heads to save the whole world. God knows my heart. The day I was saved, I remember the message Brother Justin was preaching that day like it was yesterday. He said their disease breaks out and it takes your child's blood to fix it. Not just a drop. Not just a pint. Not, not some. It takes all. I said, well, you guys are no hope. Because <laughs> I wouldn't harm the hair on my kid's head to save every one of you. And you know what? You wouldn't either. You can say you would. You ain't got kids if you say that. <laughs> it's the truth. Because I, I mean, my kids are precious to me. And, but when I saw the love of God, you know, you can be scared of hell and that can make you walk an aisle and they can make you do this all and the other stuff. But he can't save you. 
You know what saves you? It's the love of God. Displayed at the cross. That's where his love, mercy, met. That's what saved me. Now, I've, yeah, I don't want to go to a place called hell. I mean, if you had anybody else in the right mind want to go to that place, they'd say no. But that wasn't enough to save me. It was the love of God displayed at the cross of Calvary to shed his son's blood to die for me. That about my conversion. It opened my eyes. And I pray today that if anybody's here that's not saved, I pray there's something that I've said through the working of the Spirit would open your eyes. I pray you would see that love of God displayed. And you could join us and say, as we worship our wonderful, merciful Savior who identifies with sinners and is willing to trade places with us. Let's pray. Our Father, now as we close this service, Lord, I'm so thankful for...